Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili. In the next hour, Dr. Pat showcases some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Get ready to live life full out. Here's your host, Dr. Pat Basili. All right, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Um, as I've said before, this is such a fabulous energy this year that so many people are experiencing. And the question always comes back to each and every one of us. What are we doing to live life full out? Are we contributing in the way that we know that we can? Are we really kicking it up a notch to make sure that we're giving back to the greater cause of humanity? Well, I have to tell you that my guest today, Terry Bacon, the author of What People Want, has certainly been doing that. He is an individual that has really taken the time to do the research needed to let organizations and each and every one of us get to the bottom of the issue around what people really want. And you know me, I've been talking about this for a while. Most of you that have been listening from to my show uh, are familiar with the research that I've done as well as some of the, the ongoing work that I'm interested in. And Terry takes it right to the table. He is the president and CEO of Lore International Institute, which is a global HR research and consulting group. They specialize in talent management and executive education. His new book, as I mentioned, What People Want, A Manager's Guide to Building Relationships That Work, is phenomenal. Uh, he has been in this business for over 25 years. He comes to the show today to share so much of what he has learned and so much of what each and every one of us need to learn, not to mention the companies that employ each and every one of us. So, Terry, thank you so much for joining the show today. Well, thank you, Pat. Thank you for inviting me. I'm going to come right out of the gate with one of the quotes from your book, which is, I love my job but hate managing people. Mm. Isn't that a dilemma for for whoever that person is? <laughs> you know, it is. And unfortunately, it's a dilemma for a lot of managers. Because a lot of people are promoted to management positions because they were very good technically at what they were doing. But they really lack the people skills, and they get in and are challenged by, you know, a lot of the issues that happen, just normal everyday issues with people, and they don't know how to handle it. So, I, you know, a lot of managers don't like it. I've had so many people tell me that. You love the job. I love managing. I wish I didn't have to manage people. Well, it, it, and this is this is not the the day and age where you can kind of hang out and not manage people. I mean, given what's happened in organization with all of the streamlining, it's in fact more organizations now, you know, really put the responsibility on the manager to manage more people rather than less. Don't you think? Oh, they do. Yeah, organizations are becoming flatter, and managers have to be able to uh, to manage more people. And it's difficult if you're not naturally inclined uh, toward people. I was coaching a manager at one time about 10 years ago, 
who had horrible problems with his staff. He had the highest turnover in the company, and his employee satisfaction ratings were terrible. And people said that he was insensitive and arrogant and uh, condescending and, you know, all of those things. I was asked to come coach him, and as I sat down and worked with him, he said, you know, I think I need to become a better people person. Can you help me do that? And I said, well, you know, you're 47. It's unlikely that you're going to transform your personality at this point in your life. But you can learn to behave more like a people person, and I can tell you how to do that. And I think that is the answer. You know, you can learn to do it uh, if you're committed and if you're aware that you need to. Well, you know, what you've said is so important because there are many, many people that are now managing uh, hundreds of employees. And, you know, they're, they're, some of them may be a part of a younger generation, but some of them may not. Mm-hmm. And they're really faced with uh, whether or not they want to uh, kind of end their careers respectfully in terms of how they are willing, how much they're willing to change. And do you believe that we have a situation now where first organizations understand that there is this need to bring back what used to be called the soft skills? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's unquestionable that it has to happen. <clears throat> you know, if you, if you look at retention studies, for example, and why people leave organizations, 70 to 80% of the reasons that people give for leaving a job are because of their boss. Yes. And either they weren't challenged or they said the boss was a jerk. And in this day and age, with uh, the shrinking workforce and the changing demographics of the workforce, you simply can't afford that. As a business, you have to retain good people. Uh, it Turnover is really, really expensive. You know, when you lose someone, it costs you on average six to seven times that person's annual compensation to replace that person, get the other person on board, get them productive, and so forth. If you have too much of that, it really impacts your productivity and your profitability. Companies can't afford it. Well, and, you know, then there's the piece that comes even before the actual turnover where there is this uh, this angst that goes on in a work group in an organization, especially when people are, are unhappy. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, you know, we talk about that today as employee engagement. And when when employees are engaged, they are far more productive, they're much more loyal, they're much more committed, they're more likely to use their talents and their strengths. You know, they work with passion and excitement, they drive innovation. And if you don't have that, you basically have people who are sleepwalking. And some interesting studies have been done. The Gallup organization, for example, learned that only about 29% of people, so fewer than, you know, 3 in 10, are really engaged in their work on average. In the average company, 55% of people are fairly neutral, and 16% are actively working against the company. They're actively disengaged. So you can imagine what impact this has. And when I talk to companies, I say, what if you could get more than 50% of your workforce truly engaged? Think what impact that would have. And do they get it, Terry? Well, you know, I think they get it. I think that there's the, the gap is between understanding you know, intellectually what they need to do and then being able to really put into place the behaviors necessary to make that happen. Because managers are people and, you know, they, the day-to-day frustrations they experience, they often don't behave in ways that really would create more engagement. 
Well, you know, I've got to ask you. I mean, I, for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By, and I'm here with Terry Bacon. He has written a fabulous book, What People Want, and uh, it's a book that uh, many, many people uh, are going to want to pick up and take a look at because this is really a call to action for most of us. And for those of us, Terry, that are in the field and have done research uh, in this area, you know, we have been sort of the champions of this for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I've got to ask you the question, what do you believe, what do you believe we can do as uh, as managers, as employees, to get the intention of the leadership of the organization to say, you know, we need a different skill set here? Well, you know, I think unfortunately it may take the just the brutal reality of the marketplace to wake up some executives uh, when their businesses start uh, really having problems, uh, they will they will discover it. You know, the uh, the president of the Gap, for example, was just asked to step down. You're going to see more of that as companies are underperforming, uh, and uh, the 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 problem is that they don't understand how to retain and attract and retain the very best people. Uh, and consequently, they're underperforming because people are less productive, they're less engaged, they're less committed. And, uh, you know, you simply can't have that. So what, what will it take? Well, you know, I think that there could be uh, really outstanding human resource professionals if they can get the ear of the CEO who can make the point that we have to do this differently. Um, but it's going to take perhaps, you know, just the stark numbers of high turnover, inability to attract great people, uh, and uh, lower business performance that will ultimately wake uh, the senior executives up. Well, and you know, and that's the kind of thing that I think uh, most of us have experienced mm-hmm. along the way. It's that kind of wake-up call for the organizations that clearly have people in position um, that have some vision. Uh, they're more likely, uh, wouldn't you say, to really, uh, you know, take a look at this and say, "Okay, we need to create a little, a little something different here." Yeah, I, I think so. And you know, I talk to, of course, a lot of human resource uh, executives uh, around the, the world, and. Uh, they, I think they as a group really do get it. They understand yes. that the, the workforce is changing and you really have got to do something differently than you did in the past. Part of it is that this is a huge employee's marketplace right now. It's not, not the uh, manager's or the company's marketplace and in terms of jobs. People have more choices than ever before, and the fact is they don't have to work for you. And, you know, if you have a, a bad culture, you have bad managers, uh, they will leave and go someplace else because they have more options today than ever before. Very different than it was even 20 years ago. I would say that. Uh, I would say that as well. And for for organizations that <clears throat> don't sort of get on the bandwagon, they're going to have to learn it the hard way. And I think that's a point that you make and make very well. Yeah, I think you know, what we'll see are some organizations that simply fail. They just will go out of business entirely because they don't get it. Yeah, and and so Terry uh, Terry Bacon is my guest today. The book is what people want. Uh, I'm going to ask you uh, uh, about the book and and certainly about your inspiration. What motivated you personally to write this book, Terry? I know that um, uh, this is an area that I've been very very interested in from my own experience in the workplace and in human resources. And I wanted to have a sense from you about what really was behind your motivation for doing this research, for 
being interested in this and for taking this out into the world. Uh, we've got lots to talk about today. Uh, Terry, I think there are folks before we go to break that are going to want to know how to get a copy of the book. What's the best way to do that? Well, it is in the bookstores. Um, of course, you can also go on Amazon.com. It's readily available there. Okay, great. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Terry Bacon, uh, what people want, the defining needs in manager-employee relationships, and you will be surprised about what some of the top answers are to this question. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Dr. Pat Show. We'll be right back with Terry Bacon. The authority in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Kahuna is ancient wisdom taught by the Kahunas in Hawaii. Ancient wisdom, modern application. Huna is about empowerment, about increasing your spirituality, energy, and metaphysical healing power. If you could experience and connect physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually with a higher power that can empower you to bring into your life whatever you desire, join the kahunas that carry the teachings of the past at our 33rd Huna Workshop in Kona, Hawaii, September the 9th through the 17th. Call 800-800-MIND or visit huna.com. Mention the Dr. Pat Show and receive a special discount, the Empowerment Partnership. Whatever you think you are, you're more than that. Hi, this is Mark Victor Hansen, and you know me for the chicken soup for the soul, but right now I want to tell you that you've got to listen to my friend Dr. Pat. If you want insights that are out of sight, if you want to go to the next level in your life, you keep listening to this show, because she is so kind and generous that she even lets me recommend my website, markvictorhansen.com, and if you go there, we want to give you goodies. But Pat is giving you the goodies of a bigger, better mind-brain complex, so you can get results that have results that are residual, so you get to have money freedom, time freedom, spiritual freedom, relationship freedom, and go to the highest level, which she's teaching you, which is your genius freedom. The Sacred Romance is a new CD produced by Ava and Dennis. This music is straight from the heart and celebrates the light within us all. This music provides a welcome haven for the soul in these troubling times. To receive the CD or see Ava and Dennis live, visit www.thesacredromance.com or call them at 888-62-DREAM. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am here with Dr. Terry Bacon, a noted speaker. He has delivered addresses to people in Texaco, and actually he's delivered keynote addresses to organizations, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies all over the world. And as a matter of fact, he is very passionate about what he does and is very good at what he does. And as a result of that and his passion, he has created a book that gets to the bottom of what people really want in the workplace. 
And so he's with us today to share some of his exciting results. Terry, thank you so much for joining the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Pat. Thank you. Uh, I've got to ask you, uh, as, a, as, a, uh, as a colleague and a, and a researcher as well, uh, I've always been, as many times as I do a research project, I'm always in awe that I am surprised <laughs> at some of the results. I've got to ask you, what are some of the things that you found that just kind of blew you away that you didn't expect? Uh, you know, I, I think some of the findings were self-evident. They're the things you would expect. For right. example, the number one thing that people told me they want from their managers is honesty and integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, 90, over 90% of people said that was highly important to them. Uh, and as as you know, respect is also extremely important. It mm-hmm. was in the top seven of what people wanted from their manager. But I thought that people would want a workplace that was fun and, uh, you know, they'd want a boss with a good sense of humor. And so I had that as one of the uh, things that I tested for, uh, one of the needs, and I was surprised at how low it was. Mm. In fact, fewer than 30% of people said that was important to them. I thought they'd want friendship, you know, and some people actually do. They want to be friends with the manager, but only 7% of people overall said that was important. What I found is that, by and large, they don't want a boss who's a companion. They don't want a friend. They're not looking for shared interests with the manager. They're not looking for interesting conversation with their manager. Uh, They don't want emotional support from their manager. I was surprised at that, how low those were. Uh, what I learned is that people go to work to work. They want to be respected. They want to be treated fairly. They want the boss to trust them. Uh, they want a professional boss. That was also surprising to me. Uh, almost 87% of the people I surveyed said that having a boss who's a real professional is extremely important to them. Yeah, and you know, I, I think for a lot of people out there uh, that are listening to the show, that they're going to get it. They're going to get what you're saying. But I'm kind of like you, entered into the research and found something similar as well. And I was blown away by the fact that you know people, employees, don't want their bosses, as you have found, to really sit down with them and mull over personal issues. No, they don't. No, by and large, they do not want that. Now, they, but you know, it's a paradox because they also, they also don't want to be treated dispassionately. That is, they don't, they want a boss who knows their name. Uh, I think that many people want a boss who cares how well they do. And in fact, I, I looked at that very carefully because I, I asked people, do you want your boss to care? And they said, well, it depends about what. And I, so I took that apart and I said, what is it you want the boss to care about? And people said, well, you know, I, I want the boss to care whether I feel adequately rewarded, whether I'm motivated to do the job, whether I'm satisfied at, at work. Uh, so, you know, job satisfaction and motivation are sort of the, the lowest levels of caring, you know, mo- most basic, if you will. Okay. And, and then people said, I want the boss to care about my career, you know, whether or not I'm developing professionally, because development is very important to me. And a lot of people told me, I want a boss who is an active coach and mentor. Um, and then other people said, an, an even higher level of caring is that I want the boss to care about my health and welfare. That is, if I'm sick, I want the boss to show concern and, and, and so forth. You know. And 
<clears throat> but then you get on to do people do you want the boss to care about your emotional state or care about your hopes and dreams and ambitions? Uh, fewer people said that was important to them. And well, it's so. it's really kind of an an interesting conversation to have. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, you know I'm I'm listening to you and and I'm kind of familiar with with sort of the landscape of this. And I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, oh my God, Pat, you know what kind of boss would you be right now if I you know if I didn't own my own company? Mm-hmm. Well, and I do own my own company, but if I were back in the large scale workplace back as I was a director of human resources, would I be able to even figure this out? <laughs> well, oh, know, my gosh. No, I think it's more complicated. And, you know, the workplace is more complicated now than it used to be. It's more diverse. Uh, you have to pay attention to a lot more people with a lot more interests. Uh, and I think you have to attend to each one of them to the degree that each person wants to be attended to, and that's the that's the tough part to figure out sometimes. Well, Terry, I've got a question for you because I can't, I couldn't help but sort of reflect back on my career, and I remember when I first kind of kicked off and and you know joined the workforce, and I was pretty young at that time, and I kind of worked my way up. I'm one of these work your way up success people that doesn't exist much anymore Mm -hmm. but i remember being in a room and you know being there with people that were uh you know as as an 18 year old being in a room with people that were 30 years old 40 years old 50 years old some of them 60 years old in one organization working together but i didn't really remember a very large gap, quote, in value, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Now I get the sense from what you've put together that this is a totally different day and age, and the situations are very different now than they were when I was in the workplace. And I, and I wonder if you could share a little bit about that from what you've discovered. Yeah, you know, the, I think you're absolutely right. The gaps are bigger than they've ever been. And part of it I would attribute to just, you know, a vastly accelerated pace of change in the world. Um, you think I'm, I'm a baby boomer, for example. I just turned 60. And when I went to college, I was using a slide rule uh, in my engineering classes. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, we, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have instant messaging. We didn't have laptops. We didn't have any of those things. The... The people who are entering the workforce now are a group born between 1980 and 2000, and they're they're generally called millennials. Uh, some people refer to them as gener- Generation uh, Y, after Generation exactly. X. Exactly. But you know the the millennial term is the one they really prefer because they they're coming of age in the millenni- in the millennium uh, in the turn of the millennium and. They have a very, very different mindset than uh, the Gen Xers and the Boomers. Uh, for one thing, they're extremely multicultural. Uh, they also grew up during the most child-centric period in our nation's history. Uh, they've been taken care of. They've been looked after. They've been, some people would say, pampered. Uh, I'm not sure that that's exactly the right term. But they've, you know, they've always felt sought after and needed and indispensable. And they're arriving in the workplace with really high expectations. Uh, they're very well connected, too. And, you know, they, these are the people who grew up with blogs and instant messaging and an iPod, and they are used to being able to go online and, and be connected with people in all over the world instantly. That is so different than, than what you and I experienced. Oh, yeah. These are the people that lobbied to have wireless on buses. Yeah. No, exactly. 
and they are a fascinating young group. Um, there is there a lot of people think that they will be the next greatest generation. Um, and I think that there could be some truth to that, in part because they're so, so teamwork-oriented and they're so interconnected with each other. Um, now, you know, the, the the grief about them is when, when people complain about them, they say, well, they don't have an attention span. You know, they grew up playing video games and, and you can't keep their minds on anything. I would say, rather than look at it that way, I would say they're extremely adaptable and they're very good at multitasking. Uh, so they're very quick, but you have to keep their attention. You do. And uh, in the workplace, they're very different than, than uh, you and I and, and, and even the Generation X group, who are now in their 30s and 40s. But uh, the, the, the millennials are a fascinating group. They, want, they, you know, they feel that they're special, and that's how they want to be treated. Now, when I surveyed them compared to other uh, age groups, right. what I found is that they most re- want rewards and recognition that was their number one need exactly right you know they and they want it now right right and and it's very interesting that uh the the way that um i i believe that they they want to be recognized and rewarded is very different than previous generations and i wanted to ask you do you have any specifics on that on what they've said a reward means to them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you ask them that, and I have, they will tell you, of course, money is extremely important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think that like any generation, if you ask people what, what is important to you, they will say money. However, the, the millennials will also say what's important is variety, uh, flexibility, uh, they want, they love to work in teams, but they like to go be in between teams. They want to be able to uh, be fluid in, in the teams they're on and the team assignments. They also have a very different view of work and play. I mean, they, these uh, young people want to be able to enjoy life. They have a very different view about balance. So, you know, if you say to them, I want you to work 80-hour weeks, they're going to say, why? Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when it's nice out, or in, I'm in Colorado, when there's good snow on the mountain, they want to be up skiing. So they thrive on flexibility, and they, and they want to be able to have their fun and, and have it now. Well, and, you know, there have been people that have referred to them as the now generation. Mm-hmm. And in what you're talking about is so directly related to these younger people and their appreciation of being in the moment of their lives. Mm-hmm. And that is a very, very different set of values than uh, than most of us have come from because the old paradigm believed us to, to know that we were going to enter the workplace, we were going to give the workplace pretty much the best years of our lives to be rewarded later by pension and retirement. Mm-hmm. And we have since learned that that's kind of not working anymore. Yeah, that, no, that's not working at all. In fact, I, I think the boomers are really redefining that now. You know? Exactly. But, no, you're right. And the, the younger people want to be challenged. They want to be treated respectfully from the get-go. And from the get-go. And, you know, and we felt we had to earn that. Had to earn it and had to put in our dues, and then the company is obligated to provide us with something back. But you and the work that you've done, uh, Terry, has been to really, really shine the light on what people really want. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the difference between some of the younger people entering the workforce, the Gen Xers, uh, the Ys, the whatever the next uh, term is, 
and some of the folks that are still in the workplace. And how do we bring this gap uh, so that it can be smaller and smaller to bring people together? Terry Bacon is the author of What People Want, fabulous book, and there are some questions in here. There are some answers in this book. There is some good news, and there are some challenges. All of this, though, is something that will play on the large stage of what we call work in America. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By. Terry Bacon is with us today, and we are really shining the light on what is real in organizations. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. NCD, a new oral detoxification product that reduces the effects of environmental toxicity and can help millions across the globe. Natural Cellular Defense is an effective oral detoxifier, a tool in the fight against toxicity. Join our Copious Health team to raise awareness about environmental toxicity and this safe new product. Go to copioushealth.com or call 206-423-6596. That's 206-423-6596. Copioushealth.com. Okay, everyone, listen up. Dr. Pat brings you her favorite organic wines from the Organic Wine Company, direct to you for this limited-time special offer. Would you like to enjoy the luscious taste of natural grapes grown with love for the land and tantalizing your taste buds at the same time? Well, Dr. Pat has selected three of her favorite wines for only $49, a 40% savings. Visit www.thedrpatshow.com and click on Dr. Pat's Picks for this special offer. Or you can call 1-888-326-9463. Your mission if you choose to accept it is to discover what's preventing you or your business from obtaining your goals, dreams, and vision. The Inquiring Mind is your partner. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. as Stephanie Durham, professional life coach, presents ACEs, Authenticity, Choices, Empowerment, and Success. Spanning 25 years of successful business tenure, in addition to over four years of training with Caroline Mace at the CMED Institute, Stephanie's authenticity and vast knowledge helps you objectively explore wise choices with her finely attuned facilitator skills, leading you to personal empowerment and ultimate success. Do you know you have power to create what you want in your life and in business? You do. This message will self-absorb in five seconds. For more information, call us toll-free at 1-866-461-6463. Time Magazine says NLP has untapped potential for treating individual problems and is becoming an all-purpose self-improvement program and technology. Come experience NLP for yourself at the Empowerment Partnerships Accelerated NLP Practitioner Training in Seattle, Washington, October 8th through the 14th. Since 1982, the Empowerment Partnership has taught thousands of people like you create critical transformations in areas that count most, relationships, health, wealth, and state of mind. If you want to increase your creative energy, get control of your life, and enjoy new levels of existence, call 1-800-800-MIND. That's 1-800-800-MIND. Or go to NLP.com. That's NLP.com. Mention the Dr. Pat Show when you call to receive a special discount. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basili. Hopefully, yes. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. I want to welcome everyone to check out our new website. We have launched it. It is there. We're going to be doing some very exciting things with that, giving uh, all of our listeners an opportunity to participate. I want to mention to everyone out there that we are going to be having a fabulous, fabulous way for each and every one of you to uh, participate in really fulfilling your life's dream. There are many offers that our sponsors are bringing to the table that we're going to be sharing with you in the future. And I want to thank you for supporting the show uh, and supporting it in an ongoing way. So, uh, again, thank you very much. Any comments or questions about the website, please feel free to send us an email to, and actually send it to me at pat at the drpatshow.com and uh, I'll be thrilled to respond back to you. Today's show is uh, really an eye-opener for so many people and a topic that I have been waiting for almost five years to talk about with with someone on the radio, and Terry Bacon is that person. He has put together a book that is both a practical guide for managers as well as an eye-opening for the mass and the masses. And, and you know, the book is What People Want, and this is a result of his research and the work that he has done as one of the leaders in the field of organizational behavior and helping each and every one of us understand what the heck is going on. Terry Bacon, thank you so much for joining the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Pat. Let's make sure everybody has your website before we kind of get started here because I know we'll get heated up in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the website is uh, www. Lornet.com. That's L-O-R-E-N-E-T.com. Now, uh, before we went to break, Terry, I mean, you and I were talking about the gap between what we know as the boomers and and the Xers or the Yers or mm-hmm. and the next and, and so forth, and it will continue to happen because, you know, the boomers aren't completely out of the workforce. They've still got a few more years here. Well, you know, they do. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the boomers, actually. Um, one of the key facts today is that we have an aging workforce. You know, the average age of nurses today is 47, for example. Fifty percent of school teachers say they plan to retire in five years. Sixty uh, percent of federal workers are boomers nearing retirement. So we're going to have a huge uh a number of people leaving the workforce in the next few years, and there are not enough people behind to fill all of those positions, so it's going to cause a huge problem for a lot of companies. Um, One thing that's happening, however, is that the boomers are redefining retirement. What they're saying is, uh, you know, it used to be that when you reached your 50s or 60s, what you had to look forward to was a pension and a rocking chair, and that's no longer true. What's happening now is that uh, people are taking on second careers or th- even third careers. So they're they're re- they're leaving their employment at one place. They're starting something else. I have a number of friends who are fifty uh, something or early sixties who are starting uh, bed and breakfasts or they're starting uh, a, a river rafting company or you know something completely different than what they did in their other job. 
and uh, they're they're trying. What they're trying to do is uh, say, "I'm not going to just leave entirely. I want to keep working." You know, we the boomers were the idealistic generation, and a lot of them are saying, "Okay, I've made I've made my money. I've paid off my house. Now I want to make a difference. So I'm going to do something different." And they and and, and folks are getting out there and doing it. Uh, I, I've, I've just uh, talked to a, a woman, a uh, fabulous woman, uh, who's going to be working with the show. And, uh, you know, she's very, very successful in, in, in um, the organization she was with and uh, decided to, to leave the organization because she had created um, uh, something absolutely fabulous to help women in Africa. And so she's created the Blessing Project. Oh, interesting. And so here you have a perfect example of what you're saying, of people that have been thinking about this even before they, they're ready to leave. You know what I'm saying, Terry? Mm-hmm. Are starting to think about, what am I going to do next? And with this particular woman, her name is Deborah Aaron, with her passion, she could not stay and finish because she was so called to really take this business. Now, the Blessing Project is just one example, and the end product is these beautiful three-dimensional cards that are made. But the process is fabulous. Uh, women in Africa are working in fabulous conditions, creating these beautiful stones, hmm. which are then sent over here, and there are, there are groups of people that come together to put these beautiful cards together, and so everyone wins. The money goes back to the organization. So here you have an example of an individual that is exactly like you're talking about and is not afraid to take action. No, and so many people, I think, in their 50s and 60s are saying, I still am passionate. You know, one of the differences between the boomer generation and all previous generations in American history is that the boomers were largely white-collar workers. And uh, if you look, in 1972, we became more of a white-collar nation than a blue-collar nation. And a lot of these people have grown up, many of us boomers have grown up, never having to do the back-breaking work that left us, uh, you know, depleted really, right. in our 60s. So people now, I, I just had my 60th birthday, and, and people were saying, you know, you're 60 years young. Uh, 60 is no longer old. No, it's not. I mean, and you look at some of the people that are leading the fields of human potential. I mean, when you look at people like Jack Canfield and Mike Victor, Mark Victor Hansen, who created the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, mm-hmm. I mean, these guys didn't do this at 20 years old. No, no, not at all. And the result of this is that a lot of boomers are saying, you know, I, I'm not going to retire exactly. I'm going to leave my full-time employment, but I still want to work. And so I think if companies can really understand what they have here, they really have a tremendous resource, it will mean changing the way they work necessarily. But boomers, I think a lot of them will keep working part-time into their 80s. I think that's entirely feasible. I think that is too. And I think it's and, and, and not only feasible, feasible, but I think that for many of the people, and I wanted to know what you found in, the, in your research, for many of what we're calling the boomers, they have had to experience some of the most, um, what should I say, transformative trends in the workplace. 
I mean, these are the people that went from, this is my job, I am loyal to the company, I understand the rules, I'm going to work hard, and then I'm going to really end up retiring. They have had to go through what is called the, the repeal of the psychological contract, mm-hmm. where those rules of the game don't exist any longer. No, they have changed completely. And yet you still have, I mean, ba- boomers are essentially optimistic in their outlook. Yep. They're, they're driven, uh, you know, we, we boomers were driven by individual achievement. Uh, we have kind of a love-hate view of authority. So, you know, the best way to manage a boomer is not to be overly authoritarian, for example. Uh, they are really, they, we boomers, are very much into gratification. Um, and by that I mean, you know, fulfillment, I think, is maybe a better word to put it. So if you can fulfill us at work, that's great. Otherwise, we will go find some other way to fulfill ourselves, like your friend uh, with the African Project. That's uh, Boomers are about fulfillment, and increasingly they'll have more uh, flexibility and uh, potential for doing that in a number of different ways. So what happens, Terry, what happens when you get a boomer and an Xer in the same room. More importantly, what happens when you have someone from uh, what we're referring to as an X generation actually become your boss as a boomer? Well, you know, and that is happening more frequently, um, and it will happen. In the next 10 years, that will become the norm, in fact. Yes. Um, and, you know, what happens? I think the, the Generation X group, the people who are becoming managers, uh, are um, a really interesting group of people uh, because they they are often called the latchkey kids. That is, when they grew up, uh, working moms and divorces uh, meant that uh, they were often on their own growing up. So as a consequence, they're very independent. Uh, they really distrust authority. They often, when you ask the Generation X group, who are your heroes, they won't mention anyone which is a fascinating. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. It is fascinating. Um, they, when they, they look at millennials now, and they say often they're, they're not reliable, they're not willing to work long hours. Uh, you know, they, they don't think in terms of, uh, or they think in terms of a job, my job right now, rather than a career. And they have unrealistic expectations about raises and promotions. So when you often, when you talk to Gen X managers, that's what they will say. Um, Gen X managers have they're really impatient with poor performers. And so if you're if you're going to work well with them, that is if you're a boomer working for a Generation X manager, you better be sure to do the job well. Oh, you're gonna have to really kick it up a notch. And that is that really becomes a point of contention as we bring as we bring these generations together and ask everyone to participate in achieving the goals of the organization. I want to mention that Terry Bacon is my special guest today. The book is What People Want, and I want to make sure that you all know that you can get this book just about anywhere. This is a guide to help you uh, learn some of the things that are required now, maybe, as one would say, kind of some of the unwritten expectations in the workplace. When we come back from break, Terry Bacon will, will be joining us again, and we're going to be talking about one of the, the findings of his research that I believe is totally mind-blowing, and that is fairness. The question is, who said that life is fair? Well, the people in this study did. 
We'll take a short break. When we come back, more with the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Occasional digestion got you down? After meals, do you feel bloated, heavy, tummy hurt? Does occasional heartburn and indigestion or a just plain tired feeling take the energy out of your day? Vital digestive enzymes are needed to properly digest food and E12 provides them all. Customers often report a dramatic life improvement. Call now, 1-866-NO-BLOAT. That's right, 1-866-NO-BLOAT and discover E12 food enzymes, the digestive secret thousands have benefited from. HUNA is for everyone, any race, religion, gender, and age. Anyone that wants to know more about who we are, why we're here, and how the universe works. A wide and varied range of people with different backgrounds are drawn to HUNA and attend the biannual HUNA workshop. Healthcare professionals, therapists, lawyers, managers, educators, professional athletes, college students, and people just like you. If you're interested in a more spiritual view of the world, if you want to connect more with who you are and discover a whole new universe around you, then HUNA is for you. Call 800-800-MIND or go to HUNA.com and learn about the September 9th through the 17th HUNA event in Kona, Hawaii. Mention the Dr. Pat Show and receive a special discount. Would you like one of the most rewarding sales jobs of your life? The Dr. Pat Show has rapidly grown into the number one radio show to thrive by. The Dr. Pat Show is hailed for its remarkable guests, sponsors with integrity, and amazing listeners. Dr. Pat is in search of a creative, self-starting, energetic person to join the marketing team. If you're interested in helping promote and sustain the Dr. Pat Show, please submit your resume to pat at thedrpatshow.com. Again, that's pat at thedrpatshow.com. This is your opportunity to make a difference in your community and the world. Are you aware of the invisible forces behind your behaviors? The Empowerment Partnership is, and they'd like to make them visible to you. One of the largest NLP training organizations in the world, says Dun & Bradstreet. The Empowerment Partnership is the industry gold standard in trainings for NLP, hypnosis, and the ancient Hawaiian spiritual system of HUNA. Their students come from a wide-ranging background, business, education, psychology, and spirituality. Their mission is to empower you with an understanding of what makes you and others tick and to teach you the tools and techniques that will unlock your hidden gifts. The Empowerment Partnership. Whatever you think you are, you're more than that. Call 800-800-MIND or visit NLP.com and mention the Dr. Pat Show to receive a special discount. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili. If you have a question or comment, Call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Well, all right, everyone. Welcome, welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. Terry Bacon is my guest today. As I said before break, we are getting ready to 
uh, close the show, so to speak, with a topic that I think is one of the hottest topics around in the workplace and that Terry Bacon has really shined the light on in his book, What People Want, and that is this idea of fairness. You know, Terry, we come from a, 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 an, a, let's say we come from a society that says, who said life was fair? Mm-hmm. And yet you have discovered something very interesting in your research. Well, you know what I found? When I asked people what they wanted in their relationship with their manager and what did they expect from their manager, honesty and integrity was number one with 91%. Fairness was second at 89%. So, you know, nine out of ten people, in essence, said fairness from the manager is extremely important to them. It was more important than virtually everything else, including money. Uh, they want to be treated fairly. They want to know that their manager is fair. Now, when you you say, well, what does that mean? They will say, I want to be treated equitably. I want to be treated as well as the next person, not necessarily better. I'm not looking for preferential treatment. I just want to be treated fairly for what I contribute and for what I do. Well, and at some level, one says, okay, that's not too much to ask. But there are so many interpretations to fairness. Now there are. That that's where we get really caught up and confused, I think. For example, there's fairness in the actual outcome of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you've gotten a raise and I've gotten a raise and are they fair? And then there's fairness in terms of how organizations implement policies and procedures. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, isn't it really uh, mind-boggling for a manager to try to figure this out? You know, it is. I think there are certain standards of fairness that you can always apply. But fairness is in the, the eyes of the beholder. And some people will always feel that uh, if someone else got an opportunity they didn't, that that wasn't fair. So that they will interpret fairness according to uh, their own interests. And that's one of the problems with it, of course. A manager can never quite be sure that every action he or she takes is going to be perceived as fair because people's interests vary. So it is it is tough, but nonetheless, when I'm talking to managers, I say, you know, there are standards, standards of fairness that you can apply across the board. Sometimes what you have to do is communicate better so people understand your decisions. Absolutely, and understand and have a conversation of what it means to be fair. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you have um, uh, discovered in your study is another aspect of what's been sort of mind-boggling for me in my 20-plus years in organization and human resources is that 75% of the people uh, uh, want or honor this idea of collaboration mm-hmm. and idea sharing. How do we reconcile this idea of collaboration when most systems in companies, in the United States anyway, are still based on individual rewards? Yeah, they are, and I think that's because the boomers created most of those. <laughs> and, you know, we were the individual achievement people. Uh, it is, you know, I think it's becoming, it'll become easier to reconcile that, however, because if you look at what the younger people in the workplace want, collaboration and cooperation are much higher for them, and teamwork is much higher for them than it is for older workers. So I think that as the workplace continues to evolve, we'll see greater and greater emphasis on collaboration, and the technology really supports that, too. Uh, you know, the technology today enables collaboration in a way that it never, never did before. So I think we'll see that naturally evolve. 
Well, most of what you're talking about is so important in really creating the kind of work environment that most people want to work in. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the attributes that you know and values actually that you've discovered are are something that I, I think have been sort of a thread for for most organizations. However, many people have not been able to express it. I mean, for example, we're talking about honesty, and you mentioned that that came right out of the gate as one of the top things you've discovered, and then mm-hmm. fairness, and then trust. And some some people would say, trust, you've got to be kidding. I mean, how can we trust anything in the workplace? And I wanted to ask you about something we're kind of alluding to, but we haven't really addressed, because the book, What People Want, the, re- the Defining Needs in Manager-Employee Relationships, is a real shift in looking at the employment uh, relationship to begin with because the old paradigm, Terry, and correct me, was really what is your relationship as an employee to the organization? Mm-hmm. Have we now created a shift where the organization as an entity is less less thought of and less important and people have less expectations of it, have we shifted from that to really holding our managers accountable for our well-being at work? Yes, I think we have. And part of it is the general shift in really the last 50 years away from the kind of employment relationship that people used to have. You know, many years ago, uh, the the uh, norm was to join an organization, stay with that organization for your entire career, and retire from that organization. You were loyal to it. The organization was loyal to you. Uh, and you defined yourself according to your job in that company or in that organization. That's really no longer true. People are so fluid. They have very little loyalty toward organizations today. So what matters? Well, what matters is the fact that day-to-day they have to go work with a particular boss. They ha- and that relationship is so crucial because it is the difference between whether you're delighted at work, whether you're satisfied at work, or whether you're miserable or unhappy or tense or feeling undervalued or- and unappreciated. It really That relationship is absolutely crucial today, much more so than the relationship, I think, of the employee to the organization. Now, that does change. I mean, it varies. And there are some people who say, you know, I work for this company. I don't work for this particular boss. But the boss still has so much impact and influence on your career and your, your uh, job uh, satisfaction that you need to pay attention to it, and people do. And that's why, again, when most people, when they leave jobs, say they, they don't leave companies, they leave bad bosses. And that's something that I think the research industry is just catching up with, especially you know, from an academic point of view, because for so long we've conducted studies that have to do with people leaving organizations as a result of an organizational dynamic. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, books like the one that you've just put out and the work that you've done and the research that you've done has really now shined a light on, on showing organizations that there are so many variables that have to do with the direct managers. And that leads to kind of this idea about managers themselves. You know, when I did my research, I, I called it manager in the muddle, really manager in the middle. Mm-hmm. And managers are employees too. They are. And they have some of the most high-stress jobs out there. Um, so much so that, I mean, many managers uh, are, dis- are disenfranchised themselves 
and they reach the point of real burnout because the job is so stressful. And part of it is, you know, they're, they're responsible for the performance of large organizations. They often do have to deal with tough people issues, um, and many of them sacrifice their own quality of life and their own balance in order to do the job, and they wind up at, you know, 45 or 50 uh, realizing that they absolutely hate what they're doing and they hate their life, and that's, that's a shame. That really is too bad. They need to take care of themselves. Oh, you know, Terry Bacon, thank you so much for joining us today. In closing today's show, what would your personal message be for everyone out there listening to this and trying to figure out what to do in the workplace? Well, you know, I would say if you're a manager, recognize how absolutely important, critically important your relationships with your employees are. If you're an employee, I would say uh, look after yourself and be sure that you're working for somebody you really want to. A lot of people today say they would rather work for a lovable fool than a competent jerk, and that's a real important recognition. All right. Thank you, Terry Bacon. Thank you so much for joining the Dr. Pat Show today. I love the book. I'm glad you've taken this out there. You've actually encouraged me to do more in this area. Uh, Much success to you, and if there's anything we can do to help you spread the word, let us know. Thank you so much, Dr. Pat. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening to the show. Lots to think about, and we'll see you next week right here on Voice America. Until then, make yourselves a fabulous week. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to The Dr. Pat Show, radio to thrive by. To contact Dr. Pat, visit thedrpatshow.com. Tune in next Tuesday for another dynamic hour of The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile.